Good morning, Grace Covenant Church. Y'all ready to worship the Lord this morning? All right, Heavenly Father, you're an awesome and mighty God. Lord, we're just going to give you all the glory and all the praise today. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Your shame's done all the stealing. And you're desperate for some healing. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Where he makes a way where there ain't no way. Rises up from an empty grave. Ain't no sinner that he can't save. Let me tell you about my Jesus.
Good morning, everybody. How are you doing? Good. Uh, also, good morning to you guys on the live stream. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. First up, Jerry says, when I was seven, there were enough candles on my cake to toast marshmallows. My last birthday cake had enough candles to roast a turkey. <laughs> Pretty good. Um, so, hey, just a reminder uh, about the connection card, which is in the seat pocket in front of you. This is a great way for you to tell us your praise requests, praise reports or prayer requests. Um, you can fill that out, or you can scan this little code with your camera on your smartphone, and it will take you to a place where you can do that electronically. Uh, this link also just so happens to have a bunch of other great content on it. If you want access to our YouTube channel or our website or give page or whatever, all of it is right here at your fingertips using that QR code. Also, uh, we have a new pastor. Woo! So if you guys weren't here on Tuesday, it was awesome. The meeting was spectacular. It was very well attended. Um, and we voted that night um, to uh, what's call Pastor Nick to come and be our pastor. So um, he, we gave him a call that evening, and he immediately accepted. Uh, so everything's on the up and up, and that's for sure going to happen. We're really, really excited. And uh, his first Sunday is going to be February 6th, and he'll begin working on February 1st, which I believe is a Tuesday or a M Monday or Tuesday, uh, Tuesday, and then he'll be working that week. So anyway, uh, really, really exciting, amazing news, and uh, thank you so much to the pastoral search team for 15 months of work. Yeah. Also, uh, so Pastor Steve has three more weeks with us this week and then two more weeks, so uh, be sure to come and listen. He's got some great, great messages in store uh, that he's shared with me, particularly next Sunday is going to be a message on how to unwrap a gift called a new pastor. Yeah, which is a great message, I think. I'm really excited about that one. Um, next, uh, we also have the annual meeting coming up. Uh... Oh, I skipped a slide, my bad. The food pantry is this Thursday, 6 to 7.30. And then we also have the annual meeting coming up, which is on February 6th at 11.15 a.m. And we're going to be here, and we're going to be having a potluck, so that'll be awesome. And then we have a special announcement from Jim Payne. <laughs> Thank you, Nathan. Yeah, we have a new pastor coming. That is awesome. Masks. Any of you guys feel a little rebellious? Had them a little bit too long? Next Sunday, the 23rd, South Building, bottom floor, 8.30 a.m., we're starting a four-week class on Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a real rebel for a Christian cause. Um, got a trailer here I'll be showing here shortly. Matt will be queued up here in a minute. But I just want you to understand that as we go through our lives, from the time we're born till the time God closes our eyes in death, we have a life to live. And how we live it is observed by God at all times, but also observed by people. How we behave is being watched all the time. What we do does count. Sometimes we feel insignificant, but sometimes God calls us to a particular purpose. In this particular case, we'll be looking at Dietrich Bonhoeffer's life, uh, over those four weeks, and we're going to play that trailer right now. Thank you, Matt. 
It was April 1943. Downstairs in this home, there's a knock at the door. It was the Gestapo. They came up to this bedroom and arrested the pastor, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Two years later, at Flossenburg concentration camp, he was executed by the Nazis. In my book, Bonhoeffer, Pastor, Martyr, Prophet, Spy, I write about the life and theology of this amazing man. And what he lived and wrote about all those years ago has particular relevance for us today. I traveled all over Germany and into Poland uh, to create this video study series. We went first to Tübingen University, where Bonhoeffer first began his studies. We went uh, into Poland to Finkenwalde, where he started the illegal seminary of the Confessing Church. Uh, we spent time here in Berlin at the home where he lived and where he was arrested. And then finally, to Tegel Prison itself, where he was incarcerated. There's something about the life of Bonhoeffer that helps us understand today what it means to be a Christian. In the cost of discipleship, Bonhoeffer warns us against living a life of what he calls cheap grace. In letters and papers from prison, he exhorts us uh, to live a life of religionless Christianity. He famously says, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. What did Bonhoeffer mean by that? What does that mean? Join us in this video series to find out and to be called with Bonhoeffer toward a life of true discipleship in Jesus Christ. I do have a number of study guides and paper that are available. I'll be passing those out uh, next Sunday morning. Uh, it's also available as an ebook for those of you who prefer to look at it on your tablet. You can get that from Christian Book. If you look at this week's past announcements, I believe there's a link in the weekly announcement for uh, where to get it. Also, um, although this is ostensibly an adults class, uh, I'd recommend it for anybody age 16 and up, uh, simply because of the content of the material. I wouldn't call it PG-13 because I'm not sure exactly how in-depth we'll be uh, when we get to the Nazi uh, concentration camps. Again, you're welcome to come join us. Thank you for your time. When and where, South Building, next Sunday, 8.30 a.m., bring your coffee. Awesome. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for today. Thank you that we get to come uh, together. And, oh, man, it's so good to be a part of a body of Christ who gets to worship you here in this place. Lord, we pray um, that as we go throughout our weeks and, uh, and as we move forward today, that our minds would be set on you that our eyes would be fixed on you. Uh, Lord, you're the object of our affection. You're the one that we love. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. There is no one who is like our God. There is no one who compares to his love. I am free, I am free, I am free because of the King. He's the only one who knows the depths of my heart. He's the only one who's loved me from the start. I am free, I am free, I am free because of the King. 
Thank you for your presence here this morning. God, we wait for you. With expectant hearts, God, we wait for you. Lord, we ask that you would move on us today, Lord, that you would come in and you would change us, Lord. Those dark places in our own lives, in our own hearts, those places we've hidden off from you, God, I pray that you would bring your light there. God, we are open to you. Our hope is in you, Lord. Our faith is in you. Our trust is in you. And God, we ask that you would change us. Make us into the people you've called us to be. 
We yield to you, Lord. We ask for your hand in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning, Grace Covenant. And those of you on live stream, and we're going to let the kids uh, take off. We, we have about 15, 20 or more at snow camp right now, but we have some. So kids, if you want to head back to Children's Church, bless you. Have a great time in God's presence with each other and your teachers. And, you know, I do want to take just a moment and, and, and lift up, um, I think, I, I forget what Kelly told me, but I think it's 15, 20 kids at snow camp and actually even more adults. I think that's the real reason they went, right? So the adults could have some fun. No, actually, it's, it's a great time in ministry. And uh, there's a couple other ways that uh, I think feel led to pray. Let, let's take a moment, shall we, and continue Chris's prayer. Uh, Lord, we do um, place ourselves before you. We thank you that we, we can gather in the very presence of you, Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you that you accept us just as we are, but then you take us on from there into all your purposes and plans. Lord, we do thank you for the kids, the adults that are at snow camp wrapping up that, that retreat. And we ask that you will have been at work and that you uh, protect the fruit of, of the, uh, the fun they've had, but uh, all the more significantly, Lord, the ways that they've learned and bonded together. And we look forward to hearing how that's, that's gone. Uh, Lord, we do lift up um, uh, Pastor Nick and Brianna. We thank you so much, Lord, that uh, you have been moving, uh, especially through the pastoral search committee uh, in, and directly in their lives to, to bring Grace Covenant and uh, the Von Steins together, and we ask that you, you bless them as they uh, transition uh, from Nick's job and and uh, also the ministry at the little church in Golden, and we, we ask that uh, you would show us how to fully welcome them so that uh, the, the grace could enter into a strong season of shared ministry together in the days ahead. And Lord, this weekend, uh, uh, it's traditionally uh, the right to life weekend, as well as remembering the civil rights movement and uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And, and, and both, both together, Lord, uh, hold up the, <clears throat> the way you prize human beings, uh, whether born or unborn, uh, whether um, white or black or, or brown or, or Asian, Lord, uh, each, each is a treasure to you made in your image. And I, I do pray that the body of Christ, including us here, could uh, find practical ways to, to live out that truth um, as, as we'll actually talk about today regarding no one from a mere human point of view, but through your eyes. Uh, Lord, now as we look into your word, I pray that you'd uh, uh, open our minds, our hearts to whatever you want to say, whether it be through me or in spite of me, but I do offer myself to you. And uh, we pray this in your name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Second Timothy, the very last letter of the Apostle Paul. Would you find that in a Bible and also look at your, your notes in the worship guide? Um, hey, three more Sundays with you, and I've been asking God what to pass on before Pastor Nick begins his ministry February 1st, and before I drift back into all-day TV binge-watching. 
or no, I, TV is not good. Well, if it's a good Sunday afternoon football game, I'll turn the TV on, including today, perhaps. But no, that's not me. Uh, so here's where I've been led, just to give you a sneak preview. January 30th, uh, God willing, is my last Sunday. Um, and and uh, my, the title of my sermon is, I'm out of here, here's what I really think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't like it, what are you going to do, fire me? Get a new pastor, you know? No, actually, actually, um, seriously, what I want to do, you know, the Holy Spirit has a way of changing this, or maybe it's just that I'm flaky, but I, the, the intention now is to go to Philippians 1, where Paul says, uh, hey, I'm thankful for this partnership we've had, and, and I'm confident that the good that he started, he'll carry on. And that's, that's what I would say about Grace Covenant. Really, really thankful and very confident that so much good that's going on will just be carried on in, in all kinds of new and wonderful ways. Uh, and then next Sunday, like Nathan said, I've got this uh, title, How to Unwrap a Gift Called a Pastor. Uh, how do you do it? Well, you do it according to God's Word, and I want to show you some things. I've never had occasion to preach a sermon on that. It sounds kind of weird for a pastor to talk that way, but thinking about Nick in particular but also other leaders in the church want to just ask that question. And I don't think you'll hear anything new, but I just think maybe it'll just give some underlining scriptural basis for a way that you'd, you'd welcome a new pastor with love, uh, according to what God says a pastor is all about, and, and what the Word says we, we are in our shared ministries. But today I want to think a little more generally about transitions transitions, and particularly this transition that Grace is going through as, as uh, Pastor Nick and his family uh, come. Uh, last week, uh, I thought it was a really wonderful uh, message from God's Word. Nick, you might recall if you were here, speaking out of Isaiah 43 on um, God's going to do a new thing. God does a new thing. Do you see it is what God says through Isaiah. And uh, Nick said he's confident that uh, a new thing is what God's doing in and through Grace Covenant Church. Now, one thing he made really clear, he said, I myself am not the new thing. And he said, if any of you talk that way, um, well, there's going to be um, various bodily eruptions <laughs> from both ends. He was very explicit about that. So don't, don't say, hey, Nick, you're the new thing from God. Uh, it'll be really messy. So, um, <laughs> but what he said, and I, I could not agree more, that God really seems to be on the move at Grace Covenant Church, doing fresh and new things. And Nick said he wants to be part of that. And, and I think we all do. So an important question in this transition, but also for all the transitions we go through. We're all in transition, right? From one season to another in our lives. But an important question is how do we build on the good that God has given that we don't want to lose and yet not, not cling to it uh, such that we would miss the new and fresh things that God is doing? And again, it's for any transition in our lives, you know, including what Grace Covenant Church is going through now. And uh, 
I find a, a really helpful kind of lens on this, working through any transitions in our lives and as a church, is this letter where an older man is writing a letter to a younger man and essentially passing the baton, or passing, I would say even more in the imagery he uses, Paul uses, uh, passing on a blazing torch of uh, what it means to follow uh, Jesus. So let's, let's take a look. Second Timothy, the very beginning. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus to Timothy, my dear son. Now, what do we know about these two guys? Well, these two men have known each other probably about 20 years or so. It's on second, uh, the second missionary journey of the Apostle Paul that he runs into this family that includes a young guy named Timothy. It's in East, East Turkey, and, and uh, he, he takes them along on, on their mission, and they get really close such that um, Paul actually regards him as a son. It's like a father and son relationship. Now, Timothy at this point, some 20 years later after they've met, is in the empire's second largest city, Ephesus, in, in the east side of what we call Turkey now. And um, he's there as a, as a leader in, in that uh, network of house churches in that big city. Paul, for the second time, is a prisoner in Rome. But unlike his first arrest that you see at the very end of the book of Acts, which is a house arrest, where he has considerable freedom. Uh, to welcome people and, and, and have guests to, to teach and so on. Unlike that time, at this point, he's in a dungeon. And uh, he's in isolation. And he's abandoned. He has no contact with virtually anyone. And as he says at the end of this letter, which, which proves to be, as far as we know, his very last letter, he's probably executed a little bit after this. Here's what he has to say going over to chapter 4, the time for my departure is near. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Isn't that a beautiful statement? Uh, that, that anyone can claim, not just some famous apostle. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. Uh, so here's, here's Paul, just going back to the beginning here, and uh, he's eagerly now anticipating this promise of life when he'll be face to face with his Lord in perfect, perfect peace in life. But here's a question. Where is his focus in this letter? Is it on himself and getting to heaven? No. He refers to it at the beginning and the end. But his whole focus is not on himself in heaven. It's on others on this earth. And especially Timothy. And, and Paul in this letter is doing everything he can to get the next generation embodied in this young leader, Timothy, to get this next generation positioned and prepared for whatever is going to come next. Um, I think that's a calling for all, for all of us at any age, and especially as we get older. The older I've become, the more I see that this is God's call to try to invest in the next generation, most directly kids, grandkids, but also uh, 
we, our church in our house is near Denver Seminary, so I've, I don't know, we've, we've done mentoring for Darlene and I for, I don't know, 30, 40 students over the years, uh, preparing to go into ministry. Just hanging out with them and listening and, 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 and maybe answering some questions, asking questions. And I know a lot of you have done that. Um, it's a call that, that God gives us. It's a real blessing because it calls us out of a tiny little world of our comfortable tiny group uh, to, to be expanded, to, to look outward and to look forward. What is it we're doing that is not just getting through the day, but somehow, in some small way, uh, feeding the futures of other people in, in, in prayers and encouragement, whatever that might be. Uh, so this is what Paul's doing, and here's the, here's the main scripture I want to look at, starting with verse uh, 6. So, so follow along. For this reason I remind you, Timothy, to fan into flame the gift of God. And that's, that's really where we want to camp. To fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God, the, the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me as prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and has called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, through the good news. So fan into flame the gift of God. Fan into flame the gift of God. What's the fire here? You know, fire, it's, um, it's usually something you want to put out, right? There often is. It's something you want to avoid because it's dangerous. I mean, obviously, obviously, two weeks ago. Boulder County. I mean, people's lives just devastated uh, by that horrific wildfire. Uh, but in a lot of ways, fire's a good thing, right? I mean, I thank God for fire. I mean, the beauty of it, lighting a, a candle, uh, the warmth in a fireplace or a, a campfire. Uh, but what's, um, what's the flame that Paul's talking about? Well, it's the gift of God. It's the gift of God. That's the fire that uh, Paul's looking for in Timothy. And it's the, the, the fire, it's the gift of God to empower Timothy, to carry out his, his ministry as a pastoral leader there in Ephesus. But here's what I want to emphasize. Uh, this flame, this fire, is actually the gift of God that is the gift of God giving himself. It's actually God himself indwelling anyone who calls on the name of Jesus as Lord. It's, it's, it's the fire that, um, that, that, that spoke blazing light into the void of pre-creation. It's, it's the fire that raised um, his dead son from death and into an explosion of new life. It's the, the fire that uh, pours out the spirit to, to share the light and the, the energy of a whole new uh, movement. And, and what this fire called God, what this fire ignites, 
Paul says, is three things. Power, self-discipline, which is really a form of freedom, and the goal of both, which is love. And what this fire called God consumes, according to what Paul says, is timidity, namely fear or anxiety. So all of this, um, this, this rich passage, this little passage prompts a prayer for me. Jesus, what embers of your presence are you calling us to fan into fear-consuming, love-igniting flame? Can you pray that with me? I mean, is that worth praying? You say amen to that? Jesus, would would you show us the embers of yourself, what you're doing? And how are you calling us to fan into flame? Fan that into flame that, that consumes fear, that ignites love. I think that's worth, worth praying. And, and, and to see uh, uh, the, the holy fire of, of what I'd call courageous compassion that served Jesus in this world, looking into the next generation. But let me give you a warning. Let me give you a warning. And that's that um, if you make that your prayer, it won't be comfortable. It won't be easy. God will take you beyond what's comfortable. Uh, You know, when Paul has this line here about um, Timothy having a spirit that does not make us timid, a lot lot of people assume, well, this this guy must have had a fear problem. And it's possible, it's possible that was a vulnerability that Timothy had. We do know that he's young. That's pointed out in this little letter. And uh, it turns out that some, of the, and he's probably, probably younger than many people in these network of house churches. Um, by the way, Nick will be younger than a few of you. Uh, he is younger than a few of you. Uh, but in this case, what Paul says is that don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Um, I dealt with this a little bit when I first became a pastor, senior pastor at the age of 27. I was called, here I was, 27 years old, senior pastor. And, and, uh, and, and so I heard that a member just moved out of town, and he, and he wrote somebody else and said, is that kid still the pastor? And, and by the way, this is a little stupid side note, but when I actually became a senior, that's when I changed my title to lead pastor. It was, it was getting a little too close to home to be called senior pastor. <laughs> anyway, that's a, a whole different story. You know, I, I'm not sure, though, I'm not sure that Timothy necessarily had a so-called fear problem. I'll tell you what I know he had. He had a calling to step into a war. Like every single follower of Jesus does. A war with powers that that Christ has defeated but aren't as yet destroyed. And anyone who follows Jesus Christ as Lord, if they're serious about it, uh, as good as it is, you are entering into a battle. In this world, you will have tribulation, pressure, Jesus says. Uh, you're stepping into a big war that, again, is won, but it's not over. And that's where we need courage over and against fear. And that's what the Holy Spirit gives. Courageous compassion. The self-discipline, the freedom to have courageous compassion is what Paul is saying. And, and, And would you agree that that this is what the body of Christ really needs? A kind of gutsy love in this world that's, that's not about fear? Uh, and, and wouldn't you agree that this broken world really needs the church to have that? Not to be a group that's, that's in a holy huddle 
protecting our rights, but, but people who are humbly but boldly engaged with, with neighbors and people in the community and wherever with, with this courageous compassion. It, it, it's so needed. It's what Jesus wants to give. Uh, and, and yet it's just human nature to, to, to kind of go into uh, uh, self, to, 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 to be vulnerable, all of us, all of us, vulnerable to anxiety, to forms of fear. Uh, I think I might have mentioned this before that uh, uh, social psychologist Edwin Friedman years ago said that America, American culture is re really is vulnerable to a kind of chronic anxiety, a low-level chronic anxiety. It's, it's like a toxic gas so that, that in, in, in families and workplaces and so on, that uh, because of this, this toxic gas of anxiety, the tiniest little spark, somebody just says one little thing and boom, it explodes. And you say, how did that happen? You know, in, in, in the household. But a lot of it's related to fear. It's it, this low-level kind of anxiety. And what Friedman then said is that this anxiety tends to pull us into a kind of hurting. I, I have less fear when I'm with people that are like me in beliefs and so on. And I'm just going to be here. And, and then it turns into blaming that out of my fear, the real problem is those people out there. And so we throw these bombs of condemnation and, and blame and demonizing across the wall that we put around ourselves. And he says it happens with families, it happens with workplaces, it happens in societies, and the thing is, it happens with churches, too. And, and so often we can be driven more by fear of what could be, go wrong, and as opposed to faith, where we embrace some risk in following Jesus. Uh, but the Holy Spirit doesn't stop breathing into our midst this spirit of love, self-discipline, and courage that offsets that kind of fear. And the result is not blaming and hurting, but what we have in our name here, grace. A grace that's not afraid of people, but welcomes people and reaches out to people without blaming. Yeah, I think it was last year I told you a story, you probably heard it about a little, a little girl named Ruby Bridges. And uh, during the civil rights struggles of the 1960s, this little girl was the uh, first black child to enroll in a grade school in New Orleans. And uh, so every day as, uh, yeah, the move was to, to, to get black kids into, it wasn't just, just about racial integration, though that was a big part of it, but the schools were horrific for black kids, and they were really good for white kids. And they were just, just trying to help these, these little children have a better education and, 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 and uh, other good benefits. But anyway, she was, her family agreed, and she, as much as she knew, agreed that she, she would go ahead and start attending this much, much better school and so as she was escorted into the school day by day for many, many days, uh, she had to walk through a huge mob of white adults screaming obscenities at her. Uh, but she would do this, and uh, one day a teacher watching little Ruby uh, come into the school uh, noticed that she was talking, looking at the people who were shouting at her. And uh, so the teacher said, Ruby, what were you saying to those people? And she says, nothing. I was talking to God. Oh, what, what were you saying? Well, I didn't know what to say, so I just 
said what Jesus said. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And the teacher said, well, Ruby, but you were looking at the people while you prayed. Why was that? And she said, I needed to see who I was praying for. The teacher said, Ruby, were you scared? Said, oh, yeah, I was scared. But Jesus was with me. Now, I'd say that's a little girl who had some parents and some mothers, probably Sunday school teachers and so on, who saw the embers of Jesus in her life and fanned it into the flame of a gutsy kind of love. And that's our calling for the next generation, to fan into flame the gift of God's very own presence. And so again, the prayer, Jesus, what embers of your presence are you calling us to fan into fear-consuming, love-igniting flame? Well, a couple questions. What kind of embers do we see? And I mean very concretely around here in this particular fellowship. What embers do we see? What embers are we looking for? Uh, the Apostle Paul, I think I mentioned this in my prayer, that uh, he said, 2 Corinthians, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Because if anyone is in Christ, the new creation, creation has come. In reality, or at least in potential. We don't look at anyone from a worldly point of view through just our own eyes. Now, many, many, many years ago, uh, an author, Eugene Peterson, gave me a kind of um, posture, if you will, perspective for this crazy gig called being a pastor, but I think it's applicable to every single one of us. He said, uh, but especially as pastors, for pastors, when, when people from the community of the church come to, to talk about whatever, he said, we pastors instinctively raise two questions. How can I fix what's broken? How can I use this person? How can I fix this person or use this person? And it's not like it's a poor motivation. You, you want to see some development and healing. You want to see gifts used. But he said there's a much more important underlining question, not how do you fix this person or how do you use this person, but what is God doing in this person? which might be fixing, might be using, but it's a fu more fundamental, basic question. How do I see God in this person before me? Made in his image. Um, yeah, sinful, broken, but also treasured uh, with, with more potential than we can imagine. What is God doing? And just to begin to ask that question and look, uh, look for what he is saying. Uh, it's another way of saying, what, what embers? What embers of God giving himself do you see to fan into flame? Um, that's where the, the fanning starts, just a basic assumption that God prizes every single human being. You, you, you can't lay eyes on anyone who's not absolutely treasured by God, even if they're total jerks. And it may be hard for you to see it, but God loves them, values them, treasures them, and longs uh, for them to come into new life. Um, and so you start with that assumption. That's, and, and just the assumption that God's there, he's always at work. He's always doing something. And, and then the fanning continues with something that's also pretty, pretty basic. You, you affirm what you see, what you believe is true, 
And then you feed, you try to feed into some growth what it is you're affirming. Just step by step by step, helping that person uh, move, move into what God is saying, what God wants to give. Just practical encouragement. Uh, Paul says this is exactly what Timothy got from his mom and grandma. Uh, your faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and then your mother Eunice. And, and it's also what uh, he says that Paul, party, uh, sorry, what um, Tim, Timothy had received uh, through Paul himself and through others. This, this line about uh, how the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now that's not some kind of a magical thing where, where Paul had the hands as, if you put them on somebody, boom, you know, there's the spirit. Why, why do we lay hands on people? It's, it's a confirmation it's an encouragement. It's a recognition uh, of, of what God's doing. It doesn't magically uh, convey the Holy Spirit, but it affirms it. It, it fans it into flame, if you will. It's, uh, it, it's, it's what we do a lot as we pray for people, as we, as we seek their, their, their anointing and their mobilizing. And, uh, and then fanning the flame is what Paul's pushing Timothy to do through this whole letter for the sake of others. And so you go into chapter 2, and he says, the things you've heard me say, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach yet others. He just wants to see this, this, these waves, these, these, these chains of influence keep going into the next generations. He's doing everything he can to fan into flame what's happening with Timothy. He's, he's encouraging Timothy to do some fanning into flame for others. And of course, he's asking Timothy to himself fan to flame what's happening in his own life. And then just to say one more thing about this, fanning the gift of God into flame is what Paul himself had received before he even met Timothy. If you know his story, back when he used his Hebrew name Saul, uh, he, he was the only fire he saw amongst Christians was something he had to put out. Uh, he was afraid of it. He was angry about it. And he was... Uh, a rather vicious persecutor of the early Christians. But then one day, on the road to Damascus in Syria, he has an encounter with the living Jesus. And um, things are different. Things have changed. Uh, but the thing is, the Christians, they don't trust him for good reason. They don't want to go near him, except, except one man named Joseph who gets nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, literally means one who is called alongside. And it's Joseph called Barnabas, who when Saul tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple, Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He literally came alongside him as an advocate. And what a difference it made for the kingdom of God. Because Barnabas fanned into a greater flame what he saw and what he was looking for in this man named Saul. Now, friends, I've been part of Grace Covenant Church for 16 months. Yesterday, it was 16 months. Um, and I tell you, I see a lot of embers a lot of embers of God's gifts, of his presence, of his moves in this fellowship. Um, just a few examples. Any given Sunday, 
bunch of you are at the doors welcoming people. Um, people like Diana and a lot of helpers are putting out great food. Um, many of you are next door, alongside the little ones. Um, Chris and the team up front leading us into praise. People like Matt and Abel back there running the technology. They have the real control, you know. <laughs> um, every Sunday I've been here, Tom goes back to the trailhead with me and prays for all of you in this service. Um, and the rest of the week, just all the more. Um, so many of you alongside kids and students with Awana and Frenzy. Uh, so many of you serving neighbors through Grace Grocery and the, the manna bags. Uh, we've, we've given out a bunch of those. So grateful, uh, Lord, uh, for those being prepared. Um, people encouraging each other as they explore God's word together and pray for each other in life groups. What a, what a wonderful leadership team. I've been part of two, kind of a, a movement between two different teams in a way. Uh, so blessed by the wisdom, the love for Jesus, the love for this body and this community and the leadership team. And same thing with the staff, guiding our shared ministries. Just the generosity uh, to support this, this shared mission that, that we have. I know things have been tight. We're in a kind of recession, but um, you, you step up. You, you give generously. And uh, I could go on and on, but where the fire is fanned most directly is when so many of you on your own or together, you, you call on the name of the Lord. You cry out for the kingdom to come, for his will to be done on this spot of earth called Lakewood and beyond and through this body of believers called Grace Covenant Church. Just the prayer warriors who faithfully intercede. And that's where the, the, the fire of God is fanned all the more directly to be hotter and brighter. And I encourage you to keep fanning those embers into all the more flame. When you see a gift of God manifest in some person serving, however dramatically or just very down to earth and quietly, maybe just out mowing the lawn or whatever, just be generous with, thank you, I see God, I see you as a gift from God doing this. It's not about pumping up somebody's ego. It's about in fanning the flame of God into even greater flame. And, and you do it. I'm just saying keep it up. Keep it up together. In closing, let me just go back to emphasizing what it is. What it is that uh, we, we are fanning into flame. And it's not just anything that happens to seem kind of good. Uh, what we fan to flame is it's not just traditions that we want to keep. It's not just programs that we want to develop. It's not just properties we want to improve. It's not, not just, uh, oh, I don't know, the rights that we as Americans want to, want to hold up. Um, it's not even our relationships that's mainly, mainly the, the, what we want to fan to flame, as important as those are. Uh, the fire is him. It's, 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 it's the creator who actually, actually eagerly longs to be with us and is with us. Uh, having given himself on the cross and now alive, 
longs to pour out more and more of himself uh, to us and with us and in us. You know, it's been said, it's been said the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. You heard that line? The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Well, friends, together, the main thing is not something, it's a person named Jesus, right? The main thing is to keep him the main thing. Anything else is, we're going we're gonna to lose the goodness of what he's all about. Uh, the main thing is Jesus, who, the one who's the way, the truth, and life. The one who takes us to the Father, who pours out his spirit. The one who draws us into new life, who, who lets us be part of his work to bring healing to this broken world. That's the fire in each of us to fan the flame. Let me close with another prayer. Uh, one of my, he's kind of a quirky folk singer, Bruce Coburn is the way he pronounces it. And he's got a song from, I think, the 1970s or something. And he says, Oh, love that fires the sun, keep me burning. I really like that. Oh, love that fires the sun, keep me burning. And, and what I want to do is, is um, give you a moment of prayer before Chris and the team come up to close with a song. And um, it's, basically, it's basically several scriptures. And then together we'll respond. I'll read those, and then you can respond, if, if you can, honestly, with this prayer. All right? So um, we'll, we'll do this, and I'll give you a moment of silence before we sing. And again, feel free to pray what's in yellow. God promises his people, I myself will be a wall of fire around your city, and I will be its glory within. O love that fires the sun, keep us burning. John the Baptist speaks of Jesus. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. O love that fires the sun, keep us burning. Jesus expresses his heart. I've come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. O love that fires the sun, keep us burning. Tongues of fire came to rest on 120 followers of Jesus, and all were filled with the Holy Spirit. O love that fires the sun, keep us burning. Since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful, and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. O love that fires the sun, keep us burning. Fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. O love that fires the sun, keep us burning. Just take a moment, pray as you might have need, and then as we move into a song, the ushers will come to receive our gifts for our shared ministries together.
with this love Oh, it's moving all my mountains This perfect love Is casting out my fear How great this love Oh, it welcomes me like family God, you love. 
Grace Covenant Church, as you go on your way, may you know that the living God is with you. He goes before you. And what do you say we fan some embers of his presence into some flame? Amen. God bless. Amen.